Welcome. I'm Victoria Schneps, president of Schneps Media. And our Power Woman podcast today, I am so thrilled to bring to you Shivona Newsom. Shivona is the co-founder of Black Lives Matter for Greater New York City. Welcome, Shivona. Thank you so much, Vicki, for having me. My pleasure, too. You know, it's so much... Um, going on now in terms of caring and the, the focus and the highlight on this whole movement. We'll talk about it a little, but I, I want to know how, who you are. What are your roots? Who influenced you when you were growing up to be able to be in such a leadership position? Well, uh, at my core, I am a Bronx girl. I uh, went to school K through graduation through my bachelor's degree, uh, all here in the Bronx. So the Bronx has shaped me more than anything into the person I am. Some people say that activism is in my blood. My parents met at Roosevelt High School while protesting for black history to be taught by black teachers. And I come from a very devout Christian household, which most people may not know about me. So from my family influence to our, our love of God is what led me to be who I am, which led me to be a servant and to fight the good fight for the people, not only here in New York City, but um, our, our work is expanding around the globe. So when you were um, a young girl, what, were your parents there, you know, taking you to protests or, you know, what was it in the household like to be able to kind of be the gutsy person you are? There were no protests, right? Because it was that weird moment where we kind of left, like I was born in the 80s, I'm an 80s baby. So it was that moment where all of the activists and stuff like that from that time, it kind of settled down and they were parents. Uh, but growing up for me, it was you know how ABC and the major networks have those round tables of political chats? That's what my family's household was like every night. We are extremely read, well read and we love the news. So from our local papers to local journalism to world news, that's all we talked about. Even now, uh, my father's no longer with us, but my mother, my brother, we engage in those chats. Our families, one thing we're very big on is current events, but most importantly is they taught me to take pride in who I am. Being an, from an extremely marginalized group, being Black and being a woman, my parents always told me I could do anything. Growing up in the Bronx and what the world may have said that I should be or become, my, my parents weren't having that. After high school, you went to college. You do service for your community. You reach for the stars no matter what field I decided to choose. And I was a financial advisor and a political consultant for some time. But no matter what, my parents... Their, their keyword was absolute excellence. Well, I think there's nothing better than that to be inspired by your parents. You know, with many of the interviews I've done, when you've had parents who are there for you, your success has begun right then and there around the kitchen table, the dining room table, wherever you're together. But that's so many projects um, have been started at the kitchen table. Funny that you say that. Uh, my brother and I started Black Lives Matter Greater New York at my mother's kitchen table. We still visit her and do work there. I know she hates it in the early stages of our orgs when we'd have like pictures of victims and logo and she could barely get in her kitchen to cook. But um, yeah, the kitchen table is actually like the root and foundation of where you get to know your voice. You learn to argue points. You, you delve into what you truly believe in while discussing it in the comfort and, and support of your family. So, you know, this takes us to where you are today and the kind of, um, you know, Black Lives 
matters has gone globally. And I know that there's been some uh, controversy about what they're doing right now. So why don't you share with us your perspective on what's going on with the movement? Uh, we just we founded our organization uh, late 2015, probably received our incorporation early 2016. And we decided to be a standalone organization because New Yorkers needed a direct and radical response to the systemic oppression and police brutality they were facing on the ground. Uh, Black Lives Matter Global Foundation, which is in the press for not such great things as of late, their approach has always been more of the arts and more of literature. And we needed revolutionaries, that time of that Black Panther Party, that time of strong Black liberation and Black power, it needed to come back. So our model was actually shaped off of the 10-point plan of the Black Power um, Movement, of the Black Panther Foundation. So with that being said, we always thought about legislation. In the last year alone, we've passed about six pieces of legislation and two up for votes. But we understand just like the civil rights movement, that Black Lives Matter, Matter is an amazing moniker, but it may soon be coming to an end. And that's why I'm wearing my Black Opportunity shirt. And we're shifting to more getting into the ground and helping people. Our program has expanded to Atlanta, Georgia, and to Houston, Texas. We were down for the deep freeze. We've invested in indoor farming there. We're in the process of bringing affordable housing to the Bronx. It doesn't really seem like the government is coming to save people who look like me. They haven't in the last 400 years. So it's the responsibility of leaders, of anyone who cares about their people and their community, to get in there to feed people, to teach them resources, to build up our own community. Because I think that's why other communities and other ethnicities have done so well in America because they realized that the true power came from within themselves and working together. I just had a podcast interview with the president of Malloy College, and he made a point how critical it is for people to understand the power of a college degree. And you know yourself, you've done it, you have it in your pocket, you have it for your life forever. That this is not any longer being, what shall I say, oh my God, of course I've got to go to college attitude. And I think that is something that your organization could potentially be on the forefront to encouraging that. Tell me, is that a part of what you're doing or can it be a part? Because there are going to be Black opportunity dollars available with the government. You've heard that. To give Black businesses an opportunity to grow. But you know everything begins with an education. And that's why we founded uh, Wildflower Charter School. It's being currently ran and operated by our director of Say operations. That- so we have the only, we have Wildflower Montessori School. Uh, it's the only Montessori school in the Bronx right now. We are teaching children in K through second grade, and each year as our school grows, we will add on another class until it gets up to the eighth grade. But uh, Black Lives Matter creators who look, we have invested heavily in the education of our children. And the important thing about our school is it's in the nation's poorest congressional district. And if anybody understands how school and education works and how it's funded. People in my community have a very low income, so their tax dollars don't fund the school system. So until we can fix the whole system and make education equitable for all, we're doing what we can. And we started our own school. I look forward to opening up a campus in Houston where that'll be more inclusive to all age groups and preparing them. And college is very important. But I think we also need to get back to the days of trade work. Um, I do extensive work with the union. Uh, Generations have thrived off of that. And the most 
most important thing about education is it opens up your mind. Uh, what I learned most from my degree in economics is not so much uh, supply and demand, all these things, but I, I think it allows me to operate and be a better person in life because I understand other people's plights, other people's struggles, and it allows me to think critically and logically. So why have you gone away from your base of New York and going to Houston? What, what, what happened that it went there? No, uh, we're not leaving, actually. Uh, we're expanding. As we have Black Lives Matter Greater New York chapters in Paris, France, we've done work in Australia. We've been in over 200 schools nationwide. Uh, Houston, Texas just has a base of people. And it's a place where I can actually purchase 300 acres of land. As of right now, I can't really get that in New York City. Uh, in New York, we are looking to purchase a building that will operate as a food pantry and a job resource center. So it's not about leaving New York because that's home. It's about expanding because not only are people hurting here, people are hurting around the globe simply because of the color of their skin. Just like the work that we've spoken out and done in the Horn of Africa, it, it, it's just spreading. The, the work is growing. So it's not about leaving because of an issue. It's just more work to be done. Well, I think, you know, um, I started an organization for children with disabilities and I started it in uh, Queens. And, you know, keeping it local gave our resources more power. We operate now 50 group homes, but all within a region so that we were able to get the resources shared amongst our uh, efforts. But I, you know, I see the power of trade jobs, but always thinking that how could we connect the trade industries and you with a college education that goes side by side so that opportunities with that degree can go beyond just that $50 an hour job for the rest of their lives. And so also what we need to prepare people for is the next industrial revolution. And okay. when we heard it talk about in uh, the 2020 elections, when people, folks were talking about automation, what realistically is going to happen is the poor will get poorer and the rich will get richer. Those jobs where people can have the American dream, whatever that may mean to them, they're going away. The trucking company jobs, a lot of those trade jobs may go away as well, unless the they can't be filled by robotics. So it's teaching people how to code, teaching people how to STEM. Um, I, I do believe in college. college education. I have a college education, but I understand that with certificates, program, tech, and other sciences, it's not for everyone. I, I won't push you through to it no matter how much I believe it expands the mind, but that's something that I think it's a personal choice and there are people who have done well for themselves without getting it. So uh, my other world is that I'm a school teacher by training. My master's degree is in education. Right and I edit about the Montessori movement. And I do believe that if you get children at the youngest of ages and intercede and find, does she have dyslexia? Do they have ADD? To be able to get the kids at the earliest of ages is where the hope for the future is. So you are a woman who's making the hope for the future happen. And I'm so happy to about your school and your beloved Bronx. And I wanted to ask a little bit about what, what do you see as secrets to success? What, what made you be able to do all the things you did and not do it? Well, when you're doing them, you, you don't think you're going to be a success. You're just trying to get through one project. But I think the key to success is absolutely mentality. You're a very powerful woman. You know how hard it can be for a woman in any leadership role, in any leadership 
industry. I think it starts with self-belief. I think it starts with faith, believing that you can do it. And you're, it's cliche, but it's the truth. Things are cliche because they're right. You're going to get kicked down. You're going to get knocked down a lot, but you have to keep going. And there was something they taught us in finance. It was like remembering your why right? So no matter what happens in life, no matter if I have a good day or a bad day, I have to remember why am I doing this? I'm doing this so no other Black children will grow up in poverty, that Black people can drive their car and not be harmed by the police, that we can get back to Black generational wealth. So I think my key to success was finding something that was beyond me and pretty much sticking to it. It's not going to be easy and it's going to be a very bumpy and rocky road, but if you stick the course, you stick to the course, your destination will absolutely be success. Well, I think you figured it out. So you are on the road. Keep going. That's the the trick. Just keep going. Well, I think persistence pays is one of my favorite expressions. I'm writing that down. You live it every day. Well, I am so thrilled to have had an opportunity to chat with the wonderful, unique Shavona Newsom. And I am so happy that you're taking control of the Black Lives Matter Greater New York City as a co-founder. You're going to keep watching it, make sure it stays on its right path to greater glory. I can never stray away from it. Like, this is my baby. I love what I do. I used to be a suit and tie and heels lady. I get to wake up and fight for justice. I kind of feel like a superhero without a cape. So I'll never stray too far from this movement. Well, we'll give you a cape. And one of the capes I'll give you is that I'd love you to do a column in our Caribbean Life newspapers that we could potentially publish in our other newspapers. So think about a 600-word op-ed piece about you know, some of the different movements you have, but I like to stay centered on New York City. I'm a New York I City. <laughs> I love New York too. I'm a Bronx girl. Right. So I just am so happy, you know, to have you and have time with you. And this is Victoria Schnepp saying goodbye till next time. Thank you.